Hey everyone, it is so good to be back and I want to welcome you to the second episode of my revamped podcast, Balanced Hormones, Balanced Life. And so since I've been back, I've been busy in the thrill of things, going back to teaching a lot of my classes, um, following up with a lot of my clients, because if you haven't already heard or you didn't tune into last week's episode, I took a lovely two-week vacation to Tanzania. And so now that I'm back stateside, I'm doing a lot of catching up. And one of the things that I've heard a lot of in the past week was how many people are really taking on this awesome mindfulness challenge. And I love mindfulness. Actually, I heard a lot of it in one of the classes that I teach, one of the stretch classes I teach locally, that quite a few of them have participated in a mindfulness workshop for about six weeks. And I have a huge background when it comes into meditation and when it comes into mindfulness. So I thought with the revamping of this podcast, talking about balanced hormones, balanced life, part of balancing out your hormones and your life is to be a lot more mindful, to also calm down the mind, um, turn off all of those adrenal receptors and like chill the heck out, right? And with modern technology and this fast-paced world, and of course, we're going into a new year, a new decade, 2020, sometimes we forget to do some of the simple things and then just enjoy the simple joys of life. So that's what I thought this would be a really great podcast on. And after this podcast, I would love to invite you to participate in a mindfulness challenge. So I want you to take action, not just listen to this podcast. If it resonates with you, i like you to actually take some action and join in with me on a mindfulness challenge, which I will be hosting on my Facebook page. And a part of my email um, subscribers will also get access to that. So if you are interested in that, take a look at the show notes below so that you can like my Facebook page, get all of the um, information in regards to the challenge. You can sign up right there on the Facebook page. You will get emails that will be coming from me to remind you just to stay a little bit mindful. There's going to be a couple email series that I will be sending out. Along with on the Facebook page, you'll see some really nice prompts just to kind of remind you to stay fine, uh, mindful. Now, I know it sounds kind of funny because Facebook is not the page to stay um, mindful or not the page, but like not the site to really stay mindful. It's very distracting and I know it's super distracting, but that's where most people hang out. So we're going to try to make it as calm of experience as possible so you can fully participate in the challenge. And again, if you just want to hurry up and quickly go over the page, sign up on the link that is um, there and then get the email series. That's an easier way that you can focus on being mindful without having distractions of Facebook, because as we all know, Facebook can be very, very distracting. So let's dive into this whole thing of mindfulness. You probably heard of it. I know a couple years ago, Time Magazine, I think, did a whole spread on mindfulness, and it has become more of a popular word as of lately. I would say in the last couple of years, you've been probably hearing a lot more, but you might not actually fully know what it is. The practice of mindfulness is simply being aware of what is happening right now, not 
thinking about what's going on in the future, not thinking about what's going on in the past, but be in the present moment. Mindfulness in theory is extremely straightforward. Simply put, it's the practice of being fully present, fully aware, and fully able to engage with one's current situation or the environment. So if you're taking a walk, instead of thinking about what's going on um, after the walk or talking or thinking about what happened prior to the walk, just really paying attention to how the sun is hitting you or the wind is going through your hair, the sounds of nature, what is around you, just being in that present moment. And you probably have practiced this, and most of us have at some point, and it's really enjoyable, but we don't tap into it that often. So again, why does it seem so exclusive? It seems like a simple thing to do, but it seems also like there's only a select few people that can really tap into it. So many of us are accustomed to overstimulation from the outside world, things during distracting our attention away from what is really happening right now. The more time we spend in our heads thinking about things that aren't happening right in front of us, things that have already happened or have yet to happen, the less time we are really being mindful. So it's hard, right? Because we have distractions. And I know I'm the same way. Like a lot of times, you know, I'm driving down the street, I'm at a stoplight. I'm like, oh, you know, as I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook, let me also check my email. We all do it. The key is to be here now. Ever heard of the phrase be here now in relation to mindfulness and meditation? That's because encouraging our minds to be here right now is essentially what mindfulness promotes. Think about it. If you're constantly preoccupied with worrying about something that hasn't happened in the past, keep in mind that the past is and since can be, you know, even a few minutes ago. You are truly not focusing on what is going on at the present moment. You are not being here now. The same goes with the future. Over-anticipation of an event or any time in which is separated from what is happening at the present moment right now is ultimately irrelevant to the present moment. It will not and cannot affect your present situation. Eckhart Tolle, really great author of a lot of different books, um, in his teachings, it is very important skill which mindfulness teaches to let go of the past and of the future. Surrender to what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what will be soon. That is from Sonia Riccati. Leading from what is going on in the past and not holding on to past emotions or events is a huge part of what we learn in mindfulness. The importance of letting go of previous experiences and feelings is vital if we want to truly live in the now and glean the maximum potential from our current situation. As Eckhart Tolle and countless other mindfulness experts have declared, thoughts aren't facts. Again, thoughts are not facts. And so we need to stop thinking that they are. How many of you have ever wrongfully believed in something you were told yourself without factual validation of a foundation that has ended up a ball of anxiety or excessive needless worry. Letting go can be a very difficult skill to master as our minds are particularly good at convincing us of things has yet 
to come into fruition. And we want to hold on to these thoughts as long as possible. Whether it's letting go of the feeling of the need of being busy all the time, letting go of a person in our lives, places, experience, whatever it may be, mindfulness is very key. Here are some really great useful tips that you can use to help you just let go. Some of them are just to like write it down, right? Write down your thoughts and you can simply flush them down the toilet, burn them, whatever it is that you need to end up doing. You know, realizing that it's okay to forgive and in forgiveness is not just forgiving others, but really forgiving yourself along the way. You don't need statistics here to tell you that an increase in instance of anxiety, depression, and a variety of other forms of mental illness has been brought to the forefront of awareness in the most recent years. This and in fact that mindfulness seems to work effectively against them is a huge reason why a lot of people are expressing more and more interest in the practice of mindfulness. So you might be wondering how exactly does this help out with the, all the things that we were talking about, you know, the anxiety, depression, and other forms of mental illness. Mindfulness calls our attentions back to the now. By symptoms of anxiety include preoccupation with potential future events or past occurrences. It makes sense that mindfulness works. But mindfulness is not something that can simply be achieved once and it's available for the lifelong. It's something that you have to constantly practice. Just like if you have a meditation practice, you don't do it once and all of a sudden you become a meditation expert. Um, or if you, you know, when you think about when you were a kid and you rode on a bike, you didn't just take off the training wheels and you went out there without it for the first time and you rode your bike perfectly. You have to do it over and over and over again. Engaging on regular mindfulness and a meditation practice is the only way to build up stamina and awareness to the onset of anxiety and other symptoms of poor mental health. The more we familiarize ourselves with our personal now, our personal state of being present, we become more comfortable with it and we are more accessible when it becomes something that constantly happens. This means that our ability to rationalize the situation and draw ourselves back into balance is increased with practice and so mindfulness simply becomes a tool that we can access and we can easily use for our advantage so that we can have that more balanced life. Decreasing your relativity to external events and triggers is another benefit that regular mindfulness practice provides. Self-awareness and self-observation are vital skills in which people who regularly meditate have been proven to have higher levels of these tools which help us become less reactive and more mindful of ourselves. Cognitive flexibility also refers to the ability to be more effectively switched between thoughts, concepts, and ideas. Example, multitasking, right? Improving the ability to multitask allows us to process more information more effectively and ultimately then begin to increase our productivity. While multitasking has a lot of drawbacks, the overall improved brain capacity required to successfully do so is where the benefits of regular meditation can be observed. Think of it as being better able to handle overreactive thoughts and irrational responses. <clears throat> a real easy way to incorporate mindfulness 
into your everyday life is to simply slow things down. And I know that's very hard because again, we live in a very past fast-paced life. If we look back at maybe like our grandparents or our great-grandparents, they had a lot less distractions, things were a lot slower. You know, if you have family that grew up on a farm, it was a lot more lax. Like, yes, they were hard workers, but they weren't rushing around all the time, right? That's what we're looking to get back into, not, not slowing all the way down, but just taking things a little bit slower so we can really enjoy life. You don't want to rush to the end. <laughs> you don't want to rush to the end of life. You want to really enjoy every aspect. So some ways that we can do this is to slow down eating your meals and really take the time to taste the food. I love this practice and I have been trying to focus more on this. It's a really simple thing to do. But again, a lot of my clients, they are multitasking. They are watching TV. They are working on something. They're doing something while they are eating. It's very, very hard for them to slow down. They're eating while they're driving, whatever it may be. Slow down your walks to work, to college, wherever it may be, and take time to notice your surroundings. Slow down your quick responses to interactions. Whatever you're doing or wherever you are going, challenge yourself to observe the new things every single day, and you'll be amazed at how much calmer you actually get. When we actually take the time to slow down, we automatically become more mindful and our attention gets more focused on the task at hand. It not only optimizes the level of productivity, but it also increases our enjoyment levels. There are several methods which are very effective in helping us to slow down and boost mindfulness, some of them which include controlling your breath, getting sufficient amount of sleep, and minimizing distractions. For many people, breath work, or as I like to call it, or in yoga, pranayama, is a vital tool which helps them slow down and become more mindful. I'm going to take you through some really easy techniques that you can practice wherever and whenever you have the time or when you feel anxious, stressed, disconnected from your present movement. moment. Sorry, Mindful breath technique number one. This is called equal breathing. This technique uses equal inhales, and exhales lengths to balance out your breath. So you might be wondering, how is that actually done? Balance can do the body good. Beginning with the breath. To start, inhale for a count of four. Then exhale for a count of four all through your nose, which adds a natural resistance to the breath. Got the basic pranayama down? Well, let's step it up a little bit. More advanced yogis can aim for six to eight counts of breath with the same goal in mind. It calms down the nervous system, it increases your focus, and it reduces your stress. So you might be wondering, when is it best to do it? Anytime, any place. But this one technique is especially effective before bed. If you have trouble sleeping, this technique can help take your mind off the racing thoughts or whatever might be distracting you from sleep. And I know I have quite a few of my clients that have sleep problems. So if that is you, practice this one. Another technique is abdominal breathing technique. This technique is great for opening the airways and expanding the lungs to increase the oxygen flow to the brain and has proven to be um, really great for alertness. Over time, you might actually increase your lung capacity. 
You might be wondering, how is it done? Well, with one hand on the chest and the other one on your belly, take a deep breath through the nose, ensuring that the diaphragm, not the chest, inflates with enough air to create a stretch in the lungs. The goal is six to 10 deep, slow breaths per minute for 10 minutes. This can be done every single day and you will experience immediate reductions to heart rate and blood pressure. I'd be wondering, when is it best to do this? Maybe before an exam or any stressful event that you might be having. But keep in mind, those who operate in a stress state all the time might be a little shocked how hard it is to control the breath when they finally decide to try this technique. So practice it when you are not stressed out so that it becomes a little bit easier. So this is one of my favorite ones, and I actually did this in my class the other day. I taught them how to do this, and I love this one because it's really great at balancing your right and left hemisphere, really great for hormonal balance and everything else. It is alternate nostril breathing. A yogi's best friend is the breath. It's said to calm and balance the body, uniting the right and left sides of the brain. Starting in a comfortable meditative pose, hold the right thumb over the right nostril and inhale deeply through the left nostril. At the peak of this inhalation, close off the left nostril with the ring finger. Then exhale through the right nostril. Continue this pattern of inhaling through the right nostril, closing off the, with the right thumb and then exhaling through the left nostril. This is great technique to do every single day, but especially during crunch time or whenever it's time to focus or get some extra energy. Just don't try this before you go to bed because it will give you a lot more energy. This technique is really great to clear the channels, especially if you're feeling really clogged up or having a hard time focusing, and it makes you feel a lot more awake, which is why you don't want to do it before you go to bed. So you might be hearing my dogs barking in the background. This is what happens when I record at home. So I do apologize. All mindfulness techniques are ultimately forms of meditation. And so the vagus lines that exist between the two are often confused. While mindfulness simply encourages us to cultivate awareness of our present moment and surroundings, meditation can often be forced as a particular thing or intention concentration. In this way, both meditation and mindfulness requires a great deal of concentration. Regularly entering states of deep concentration and meditation ultimately improves our overall capacity to concentrate. This is why so many intellectuals and successful writers, researchers, or business people are avid at meditation and mindfulness practices. The neurobiological processes involved in mindfulness has caught the eye of many scientists eager to learn more about the benefits. They had found countless instances of improved brain function and newly formed neutral pathways as a result of meditation and mindfulness, scientifically proving that mindfulness can change the way your brain actually works. From cognitive behavioral improvements to concentration and productivity levels increasing, there is no denying that this practice is a wonderful way to change the way you think. So if you haven't already started, it will be key to definitely do that. 
Mindfulness is also really great for kids and teenagers to learn the skills, um, to really learn how to calm down, being better able to concentrate in school, reduce behavioral issues, and increase self and body awareness, compassion, and understanding. I was talking to my husband the other day. We were talking about like ADHD, and I feel like a lot of kids are actually misdiagnosed with it when really if you had some of these practices in the school systems and if more parents taught kids mindfulness, you really would see a reduction in the amount of hyperactivity that they have and the better concentration that they could possibly have in school. So also, again, really great in the workplace. A lot of corporations are including this. I, last year and this year, um, am participating in a lot of corporate wellness programs across Metro Detroit. And a lot of companies such as Raymond James and Sashi, um, Sashi is a, a construction company, Raymond James is a financial company. They're seeing the importance of doing more mindfulness practices. They have people coming in doing meditations. Um, there's even actually a company locally called Meditation Works that has this awesome um, truck that comes around and they teach meditation practices. But mindfulness is, again, um, a really great practice to incorporate, even if you are not too big on meditation. The process of becoming more aware of ourselves can often call to question other weaknesses and difficulties that we might be having or covering up, such as issues with self-confidence. It can be difficult to release, realize, but once mindfulness and self-awareness exposure, a lack of confidence, we can either retreat further back from unconsciousness, as Eckhart Tolle labels it, or choose to step forward and embrace it. This embracing ourselves manifests outwardly in an increase in self-confidence and is definitely one of the most outwardly noticeable effects of successful mindfulness practice. Imagine somebody that you know who has always been shy, introspective, and nervous, suddenly becoming more comfortable with themselves than they have ever been. This is the power of mindfulness and acceptance. So again, work situations, your kids, whatever it may be, very, very powerful practice of doing it. So I highly suggest, if you haven't already, to really step into this practice of mindfulness. You might be wondering, how can I possibly start this? If you're still unsure, let's face it, most of us are when they first start begin to meditate. If you take nothing from this whole podcast, right, it's at least being confident to try something. Start small, five to 10 minutes a day, and then gradually start to increase it. Making up your mind to stay put for that long of a period of time and notice the fluctuations from day to day in your breathing and your attention and your energy. Don't beat yourself up if it doesn't quite work out. The first few times, there is no such thing as a bad meditation. I hear it all the time, and you can go back to some previous episodes of when this used to be Love Your Life podcast. We have some meditation experts on there. I have done some meditations. There's so many ways to meditate. So if you want to start that off, please check out those things. I'm also going to leave a link to a meditation course that I have created to help you get into the practice of meditating. They're all guided meditation. So there's different techniques in there. There's seven days of them. Each day is a different technique that you can utilize and see which one works best for you. And if you're in the Metro Detroit area, I would love to invite the ladies out there to meditation and tea. I will leave that link also in the show notes. 
that is an awesome group for women of color to come out and to meditate. My friend and I, Ursula, have created this awesome group. We are embarking on our one-year anniversary, which is this upcoming Saturday, weekend of Martin Luther King's weekend. And we have grown exponentially over the years from 10 people upwards to 40 ladies that attend our um, twice-a-month events. They are absolutely amazing. So again, just slowly start to ease into it. Maybe it is finding a local group um, or taking my course on meditation um, so that you can find a practice that works for you. So again, if you are interested in trying out meditation, go and check out the course. That's easy. You can you know, download it. You have access to guided meditations. There's seven of them. There's handouts. There's worksheets. There's a whole bunch of other things on there. It's just $27. And you can find a technique that works for you. If you are in the Metro Detroit area, I'd love for you to come out to Meditation and Tea. I will leave that link below. And of course, any one of you, no matter where you are, male, female, I don't care, you can all participate in this mindfulness challenge, which will be kicking off on Monday, um, which let me look at the date because I don't even know the date, Monday the 20th, which is actually Martin Luther King's Day, which is a great time to um, kick off a mindfulness challenge. So if you have the day off of work, great. You can um, spend that morning practicing mindfulness. If you don't, just find some time to do it. And again, that will be sent in your email. And then you can also get some additional prompts by going to my official Facebook page. Don't worry. If you're driving, again, we're practicing mindfulness. So I don't want you to have to write down anything. Everything, all the information will be in the show notes. I will see you all next week. And if you are enjoying this new revamp podcast, you're loving the topics that I'm talking about, or you have any suggestions on topics that you would like me to cover, please, please, please do me a favor, head over to your listening device when you get done with driving or whatever you're doing and leave a rating and review to let me know that you actually enjoy this. And also, you know, feel free to send me an email and say like, hey, these are some topics that I would love for you to cover. If you can cover it in upcoming episodes, I have been doing that on my Facebook page for people who have some questions in regards to hormonal health. And I am trying this year to really start to cover those topics. So it's curating the content to what it is that you are interested in. So again, remember to tune in next week to Balanced Hormones, Balance Life. This is your girl, Stephanie, signing off. Have a great weekend. And if you have an extended weekend, enjoy it. Bye for now.